Good morning. Getting things started. It is a good morning. It's 29th. We're running out of month, guys. Running out of month. I'm not sure where the month is going, but you only got one more day. Hey, one more day of the month. Kind of abrupt stop to the music there. Today, our Illy Coffee is in our Cowboy Bebop cup. Oh, that's good stuff. That is good stuff. Not sponsored by Illy, but wish I was. Wish I was sponsored by Illy. Oh, guys. I jumped on the news today. I jumped on, and one of the headlines grabbed my attention. From the Hill, giant letters, federal agencies warn of disinformation around cyber attacks on election infrastructure. Breaking news yesterday. Yeah, yesterday. I thought we'd throw it in here. I thought we'd have a lot to talk about, but uh, we already talked about yesterday. Proving yet again, just by joining every morning. You're staying ahead of the news. And it's just, not just me. It's it's you guys that keep me up to date. Let me know the new stuff that's going on. Let me know the new things that are out there that I may have missed. So this stuff, you know, the Hill's got it. But you guys, by the time it came out, sometime yesterday in breaking news, if you guys watched yesterday morning, we'd already talked about it as a group. So I was like, no need to read this one. I did read it, make sure I didn't miss anything, but it was stuff we'd already covered. So you guys already knew about this stuff. So if it came up during the day and people came up to you, you'd be like, no, nah, I already know about that. I got that covered. Got it covered. Good morning, Paul. Always good to see you. Bright and shiny and early this morning. Um, yeah. So crazy, crazy. Couple things. What you got going on today? A light day in the news. Really? Um, talk about safeguarding schools, oh, ransomware, tar ransomware, ransomware, ransomware is everywhere. Maybe that's a song uh, we're going to have. Ransomware is everywhere. So we're talking about ransomware and schools and how the FBI is trying to help schools be secure against ransomware. Um, HIPAA is in the news. They've imposed their largest fine to date for HIPAA violation. That's your healthcare, uh, PHI. And multi-factor authentication, uh, defeating multi-factor authentication. How, how and why? And maybe one of the most important things for today, what Eric brought up, it's Taco Tuesday. Uh, where's your favorite taco place? Down here in the Stafford area, the Fredericks area. Um, a lot of people like uh, Pancho Villa. I don't know. Um, El Cazador is the one that I like. Uh, have to think about it. There's one right down the road. Little, little, kind of a mom and pop place. I think they have a couple, couple different uh, restaurants that they own. El Gran Charo. That's the one. They're pretty good. Mm, I'm with Alex. I'm with Alex and Eric on this one. Taco Tuesday. 
Where do you guys get your tacos from? I remember when you used to go up to out of Reston, there was a place that did breakfast burritos, breakfast tacos. Awesome. I can't think of it. When I was stationed in Fort Bliss, they had people that would come around in the morning with hot boxes of homemade tacos that were good for the breakfast. The breakfast burrito types. Um, I guess that's not much, not much to do with security. The other thing we'll talk about today when we get to the end of the show after the news is I did sit last night for the Cloud Plus version 3 certification in the beta state, in its beta state. And if you guys were around, Mike Bravo brought this up. Um, he brought it up on the private channel on the um, and on Facebook. On Facebook, on the Cyber Recon Facebook page, we were talking about the beta exam. So the beta exam for Cloud Plus, the way it works, you go, you sit for the exam, and then <laughs> what I didn't realize, my first beta to sit for, I hadn't sat for a beta before. When you complete the exam, you don't know if you passed or not. You know, most most Cloud Plus exams, most of these, you get to the end and then they give you the pop-up. Hey, congratulations, you're good to go. Here's your little thing and we're gonna send you some stuff and later in the mail, all your swag. Um, but in the betas, they don't do that. Um, I was surprised I had to go look on the internet to find this out last night. Because I finished the exam, when they say, you know, are you sure you want to complete it? I clicked that because you're doing a home now, which is a whole another situation we can talk about. Clicked complete and everything just went away. Boom, it was gone. It was like, what happened? Well, I guess apparently in a beta, that's the way it's supposed to work. It goes away. And you don't know if you passed or not until the exam officially releases. So here next month, I think October, version 3 comes out. Version 2, there'll be an overlap where you can pick version 2 or version 3. I got some insight. Obviously, you know if you've taken a certification exam. I can't tell you what was on the exam exactly. But I can tell you what areas to study. Um... Because if you go look at the version 3 exam, absolutely nothing out there for it. You can't get a study guide, you can't get a book, you can't get a manual. It's because beta. They, they're still going through its, its, its work. So I got some insight, some insight you might want to know. Um, but you always have that option of doing version 2 or version 3. So you might say, why do the beta? Well, I'm going to tell you why. Uh, the first one I've done, but, you know, Mike Bravo put it out there. If you do the beta, you can do it for like 50 bucks. If you do the actual exam, it's like 350 bucks. So it's like, ah, 50 bucks. Let's give it a shot. Give it, give it the old college try. So I gave it a shot. We'll see how it goes. I don't know till later. Uh, it was a mix, mix of old and new, as you would expect. There was some stuff carried over, and we'll talk about this in depth after our last news story. Um, but there was some carryover stuff from V2, so you definitely probably look at V2. Uh, books for that. Thomas, good morning. I don't think we've seen you for a while, Thomas.
I think, yeah, I would tell I, I tell you maybe two tacos, Alex. Uh, I wish I could remember it all. You know, you come out of the exam, you go, oh, I wish I could remember all the stuff that we saw. But in general terms, which is good because the exam would get on you if you, and this comp to you folks would get on you if you just did brain, brain, there's plenty of brain dumps out there, and I'm not a big fan of brain dumps. Brain dumps might get you the certification, but once you go to work, you're kind of stuck because a brain dump ain't going to help you at work. It's just not. Um, yeah, so that's what we got going on with that. That's my view of, of that world. That, that world, I'll move my, my, my monitor over. That way I'm not looking weird at, at cross-eyed at the thing. Eric, um, yeah, my favorite taco place. I think El Gran Charo, yeah. Place down in, in, I know it's all over Texas. Uh, I used to see them in San Antonio. If you guys travel to Texas or maybe around the area, it's probably other places in the south too. It's a place called Taco Cabana. You guys know anything about Taco Cabana? Big pink, well, I know big pink restaurants down in, I see them in San Antonio. I don't know if I've seen them anywhere else. Taco Cabana, They're, they were all over San Antonio. They're pretty good, too, and that would be a long drive for Taco Tuesday. So, that's what we got going on. we got the news. we got three stories of the news. Not a ton not a ton of news today because we're staying ahead of it, like I said. We're a step ahead of the mainstream news. We're pretty much running one step ahead or more of the mainstream news. We've got today and tomorrow of September left, and then we're off to October. The other big thing is tomorrow, tomorrow, if you join us tomorrow, we're going to walk through the new um, RMF class. We're going to walk through at least one of the modules. We're going to walk through one of the one of the topics in the new RMF course that launches next Monday, the fifth of October. Um, this is your advertisement. We don't do a lot of advertisements. We don't we're not monetized or anything. So here is your ad. Cyber Recon will be launching the new class. And one of the things we are running like crazy on is revision five of 853 to make sure it's incorporated into the new RMF class. Um, as you know, there's there's some new new controls, like 54, 58 new controls, two new families. Um, you know, the, I, 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 two new families. I'll put them in air quotes because the families were there in revision two. They were just kind of appendixes. So it's PII, personally identifiable information. And, and we'll talk about PHI this morning. PII is one of the things that's new in 853 revision five, and that's the PT family. And then um, supply chain risk management, SR, the SR family. Um, adds a few controls, adds them to the mix. They were actually, you know, if you were paying attention at home, they were there in revision four, but they were an appendix. So they didn't fall in the normal set of, and here's the thing you got to know too with revision five. In revision four, we called them security controls. Um, revision four, security controls. Revision five, we have to call them, we have to get used to this term controls, right? So revision five is, is stressing the term controls. 
And that's because they're both privacy controls and security controls. So we call all of them controls. And if they're only related to security, then we call them security controls. And if they're only related to privacy, we call them privacy controls. So that's all laid out in a structure in revision five, just to make things a little more complex. I think just easier to call them all controls and be done with it. Now, when you deal with your business folks, you know, you're out there dealing with business and the operational folks, there are business and operational controls that you may want to look at too. So if you have the fun auditor come around, the auditor wants to look at all the controls. They're going to look at the business controls and then they look at the IT controls. Um, that's a dangerous game. Let the business folks take care of the business controls. But you might want to talk to business controls. How do you get on the same page with them as they apply their controls? And how can you make sure that the systems are working correctly? So we're looking at controls holistically. Anyway, that's, a, that's your advertisement for the day. The 5th of October, RMF, our RMF class launches, RMF version 2, so it's 837 revision 2, with the new step, which is the prepare step for organizations as well as systems. And then also, just included, like last week, had to go back and rush to make sure we're including all this stuff, 853 revision 5, and then Alex, we need to talk about... Um, the advanced RMF course. And I know I've got I've got some do outs for some communications. Uh, some folks have sent me some email. And I owe you owe you I owe you some some talk back. So oh, it's just been crazy, crazy, crazy. So let me throw the intro in. I'll put put our our morning song on. Get things set up, and we'll talk about the news. So we'll be right back. Do, do, do. Oh, it's a little bit quiet, I guess. The, the song sounds a little bit quiet. Maybe it's because my speaker's quiet. I don't know. But trying to adjust sounds, I was listening to some of the recordings from earlier, and it just was so loud. I brought tried to bring the sound down a little bit. Um, you tell me, is it too, too loud? Or is it too, too quiet? Is it, is it okay? Is it... The baby bear situation where we're okay or is it too loud or too quiet I don't know oh Paul I see your, see your, your thing came there it is finally I can add to the broadcast security plus yes security um yeah gotta get to security plus we just need about four or five more hours in the day to keep things going um actually we have had <laughs> Truth be told, Mako and Emily have been building our, uh, our, our building, um, sorry, I lost, the train derailed, guys. <laughs> Mako and Emily are building out the ITF Plus and the Security Plus training, so they're coming, they're just coming a little bit slower. Um, it's got kind of put on the back burner because of the RMF stuff. RMF stuff kind of was the freight train coming through that we had to take, had to deal with RMF stuff because revision two of 837, and now revision five of 853 kind of pushed that stuff through. Ball Security Plus is still coming. I would suggest, here's my suggestion, and it's for, for Paul and any of you folks that have never ever taken a CompTIA exam before. And we'll talk about this before. I would 
sign up for this beta for Cloud Plus. And I know it sounds weird. Sounds weird. Um, and here's the here's the why. Here's the why in this one. If if you've never taken a CompTIA Plus exam, it's going to give for fifty bucks. It's going to give you insight on how the exams are structured. And I know you're going to say, I, I don't know cloud. I don't know cloud technology. That's fine. Go in there. You're going to have. You're going to get the same structure as if you're sitting Security Plus. You're going to get the same look and feel. You're going to get the same type of questions. Um, it's going to be an eye opener if you've never taken a CompTIA course or exam before. Excuse me. Um, And it's going to give you, it's just going to give you the ability to sit there and see how the practical exercises work. See how the the pacing and the timing of the exam works. And see, for me, this was my first at-home exam. And I can tell you some of the stuff that happens with this thing uh, when we get to the end as well. How you have to prepare for this thing. Um, so... I think security, yeah, Paul, Security Plus is still coming. It's been slowed down significantly, as you know. Uh, we were going gangbusters. We got through about the first mod, first top domain and about a half, and we kind of hit a, a snag. We slowed down, but it's coming back. Same thing with ITF Plus, IT Fundamentals Plus is coming. Um, but, yeah, we'll keep working, Paul. It's coming, man. It's coming. It's coming. What time are the classes? See, this is the good thing about this, Eric. We're doing the first run-through. And we're going to only have the ability to sign up for the first run-through through, what would it be, the 9th? Whatever next Friday is. So you can sign up for it through next Friday, uh, the Friday after launch, um, for this first run-through. And the first run-through is different than all the rest of them. Um, after the first run-through, It'll be on demand. You just take the class whenever you want. You go in. Everything's recorded. Everything's set up on LMS. Everything's set up, and that's what we'll walk through tomorrow: is the website and how to how to work through it. Um, and after every module, at the end of the module that we and we we're going to re release modules at a time. Actually, the fifth we released like three modules, um, three lessons um, that are filled with the different topics. And then at the end of that time period. We're going to do a live either uh, WebEx or Zoom call, depending on how many people we have in the class. And then we're going to walk through questions, uh, an interactive session. We're going to walk through anything that you don't think was covered. Um, and then after the first run through, every class will be just on demand. That, that ability to have the live interaction is only available in the first class. Um, and that's not bait and switch. That's not even like that. That's just to make sure that as we're going through, because this is an, a new build, and it's got the revision two, and it's got revision five, so revision two, of 837, or revision five of 53. Uh, we want to make sure that all of the students' answers or questions are answered. So you go through. It's not. It, it's the first run. So it's not not beta, but it's the first run where you, in every first run we do. We're doing the live session, so you'll have a, a live interactive session at the end of every module. So it'll probably be two weeks after launch, we'll do a live session, and then essentially every week after that, we'll do a live session. 
to talk about the topics covered to make sure that any questions left out, uh, any questions students have, are answered. Um, but it's a different, it's a different way of looking. If you've taken any other classes, um, this is a different, this is a different way of doing setting up class, I should say. So you'll see tomorrow. You'll see tomorrow. So Eric, there's really no the the classes. Once you sign up on the fifth, if you sign up, if any, anybody that signs, I'm not saying Eric, you have to sign up, but anybody that signs up um, that by the the Friday of the week of the fifth. Um, let me look at like I think it's the um, yeah the ninth. I just want to make sure my math was right on the fly. Then if you sign up by the ninth, you're in that first cohort where you'll have the interactive sections sessions. If you sign up after the 9th, it's just on-demand. It's regular on-demand. Because we want to make sure that we can't have people going through like the first and second module, or first and second lessons, and then the cohort is at like the sixth lesson, lesson and we're having questions across the whole spectrum. The questions will be focused on each kind of modules we go through. So uh, each lesson as we go through, so to speak. That's, that's kind of We'll cover that more tomorrow. We'll go through a full run-through of how the class is set up how it looks, what we're doing, all that good stuff. So uh, hopefully join us tomorrow to see that. That'll be after. It'll be kind of the same place that we're talking about. The Cloud Plus exam today. So back to your news. Back to your news. Um, so RDP. We've talked about RDP. And we've talked about anytime we talk about ransomware, I'm going to stress RDP. I'm going to stress RDP. I'm going to stress patching especially patching your VPNs, and I'm going to stress awareness, awareness and training. Those are the three things I'm personally going to stress. But this article, um, dark reading, um, James Liu uh, did a pretty good article. It's not, you know, that the one drove me crazy yesterday. That one from the New York Times, was, if you guys looked at that, I gave you the link yesterday and told you to go read it. Um, that thing was huge. Come on, man. You don't need to write. They were all over the place on that thing um, and injected way far too much political spin into it. Um, so this one, James did a great job. This is a great to the point. Um, he starts out the article saying um, how getting online learning today will protect schools and the communities they serve for years to come. Uh, learning, getting learning right. Getting learning right. The FBI has issued a warning to U.S. K or kindergarten through 12, 12th grade school districts, advising them that they are being targeted by cyber thieves and they should take extra precautions to secure their networks. With schools around the world responding to COVID-19 restrictions by moving online learning, millions of students and teachers are logging into school networks and classes um, for classes and assignments. Many of them use unmanaged computers that are prone to vulnerabilities, creating countless opportunities for cyber criminals to use these devices as an attack vector to the internal network. Amen. Yeah. While the pandemic has opened new opportunities for cyber criminals, attacks on K through 12 schools are nothing new. In fact, they had risen, been rising, rising for some time. K through 12 cybersecurity research centers year in review for 2019 reported 348 publicly disclosed incidents, in quotes, at schools, three times as many as 2018, 
2021, FBI anticipates a major increase in attacks as schools begin to open, even if many of them struggle to contain the coronavirus while others were initially successful. Uh, they're now battling uh, the second wave following reopenings. Yeah, this, schools are in a, a unique position now. Um, I could not imagine being a, a elementary, a K through 12 um, grade teacher in this environment. Um, I can't, I can imagine when, in the, when they're, when the kids, and I, the kids are kids, when kids are in the classroom, it's hard to control them. I couldn't imagine trying to control them on a Zoom call. Um, most school districts now acknowledge that things will not be back to normal uh, this fall. They're opening hybrid learning solutions for the school year. Hackers are delighted with this development since distant learning are often implemented using Microsoft Remote Desktop Protocol, RDP, one of the prime top targets for cyber criminals. Aiming for quick gains, their primary tactic, install ransomware, lock up the data until they're paid. Um, talk about, I think, San Francisco School of Medicine is going to be in the news for a while uh, because they had to pay the million dollars to get their uh, access to their scientific data back. The article talks about K through 12 doesn't have the millions of dollars that San Francisco School of Medicine does, but because they don't have the millions of dollars, they're probably not going to be protected as well. So one specific vector they, the FBI warned about is the riot ransomware, which is deployed via RDP endpoints, specifically students, parents, and teachers in the K through 12 environment. Riot uses sophisticated type of data encryption that targets backup files. Once an user has been infected, that person can propagate the virus to the school servers where it can cause havoc. Terrible stuff. So what do you do about it? We've always, we've got, you know, if you've been watching me, if you've been watching the show, you've been watching the really big shoe, uh, the morning show, you know there's, we talk about the 321, and I need to go back to give credit where credit's due, where we got that 321 from. It was one of the articles we heard uh, a month or so ago. Three backups. You back up your critical data three times. It's going to be on at least two different types of media, and one of those is going to be offline. And we say offline, we mean either physically disconnected or in a cloud that is disconnected from your normal network. Um, that's the three, two, one rule. Three, two, one rule. I'm always going to tell you the three protection mechanisms I talk about, which is one, if you're using RDP, don't have it exposed to the internet. That's a bad thing. Patch, patch, patch. Patch your systems, patch everything, including your VPN software and hard yeah, hardware in that case. And then three, train your end users. Um, so the FBI, we're going to add in. We've got those three things, my three things, and now the FBI has five things they're going to talk about. So this is, they call this vaccinating against ransomware infections. A relatively simple and affordable steps to empower educational organizations providing distance learning while keeping schools and districts safe from cyber threats. The FBI recommends these five steps. One, back up your data. Uh, 
Backup your data, cover your most important files. Two, secure your backups. Backups should not be connected to the computer and networks that they're being backed up because that's the connect that that's connected to your network, including your backup files. They can be encrypted by ransomware if they're connected to the network. It's also if it's good, up to date, backup is available. There's no need to pay ransomware because all of your data can be quickly restored. So that half of ransomware attacks is true. If they get sensitive data, that's a different story. They can post that and you might be in trouble. Um, make sure that all software and operating systems are up to date and patches are applied. Important to make sure that end users update their software, including parents, teachers, administrators, and students, in addition to the school's servers. It's funny in the uh, end of this one, they've got a parenthesis, good luck with that. Um, yeah, good luck. Getting parents, teachers, administrators, and students to patch their system? Talk about herding cats. Uh, I don't, that's good, good, definitely good luck with that. Um, especially when you've got, I would, I would bet, I would put money on it that some of these parents are running Windows XP and possibly earlier versions. Definitely Windows 7. Um, we know outdated systems. Outdated systems, man. Um, well, not Apple side. I'm sure they're running old versions of Mac OS. Because um, your, your Mac gets to be too old. You can't get the updates no more. Uh, yeah, so good luck. Good luck with getting patched and updated. Um, uh, good luck with that. But yeah, you got to do that. If you have control, you have control over the teachers and the administrators. That's for sure. So make them patch their stuff. Um, Monitor all remote connections and software. Identify unusual activity that, such as failed logon attempts, especially from administrator level accounts. Um, and if you have software, some of this, some of the VPN software can do a system check on the system that's connecting and make sure that it's up to date on patches. Make sure that it's got a valid OS. Some of it can, some of it can't, and there's some configuration issues with that. But if you have the ability to do that, do it. Connect. When systems connect, make sure they're patched, make sure they're up to date, make sure they're doing those things. Um, sometimes you don't have that ability, though. Um, and your last one. Last one from the FBI, number five. Um, use two-factor two authorization for login. Apply least privilege controls. Really, a couple things here. Also, apply least privilege controls, which allows users to gain access only to the data and the applications they need. This includes, for instance, allowing just read-only access without the ability to alter content in any way. Students have no need to write while using a specific application. Um, my question: I'm not in education um, anymore. Right? I'm, I'm used to. Uh, I was an adjunct. You guys, a lot of guys have been around me for a while. You're in the Nova area, you know it. I have been, I guess I'm technically still an adjunct professor for a different different couple different colleges, including St. Louis University and Baker College. Um, that's my name dropping, I guess. Just, I guess throwing my credentials around to give you my why uh, why I'm saying this. Um, if you're teaching adults, you can kind of force them to do certain things. And if adults are paying for a class, at the college level, you can say, okay, 
if they don't pick up the data, if they don't pick up the information, it's on them. That's my viewpoint. I've had several people in the administrative side get on me because they would say, hey, the student got a 26, but why don't you give him extra time to get his work in? It's like, if he got a 26%, other people in the class got an 80 and 90%. Why are the other people getting penalized for him? He just gets an F. Um, that's not always the case. That sometimes gets, you get beat up for that as a, an, a, a professor. And that's, unfortunately, I know teachers get the same thing. I couldn't imagine doing the same thing with, te with, with grade school kids, high school kids, middle school kids. I, I just couldn't imagine it. Um, the, the point, I guess, where I was going to this long story, for educators, why are not more schools implementing uh, learning management systems, or LMS? And I know some of it's money. Stuff like Blackboard costs money. Blackboard can be very expensive. Um, I forget the other one. There's another one that we used. It was not nearly as good as Blackboard. Imagine that. It was, it was uh, Canvas. I think it was Canvas. Um, not as good as Blackboard, which is amazing. And there's some open source ones. You can build your own LMS. Um, organizations can build uh, their own LMS. And I just I I wonder why more schools aren't use, using that approach and using an LMS where. The, the students, the teachers, those folks aren't connecting into the school. They're connecting into an LMS that's maybe managed by a third party like Rackspace or, or GoDaddy or something like that. Where if it's breached, then it's just school information that's breached, not a bunch of PII and that kind of stuff. So, anyways, a little tangent on this, this story because I, I just am, am, I don't know how teachers are doing it today. Uh, I, don't, I don't know how teachers are doing it. So these things are, are important to make sure we're they're getting secured. So if you're working with a school, um, and maybe this is another one of those opportunities where we talk about opportunities to volunteer in the security world. Maybe maybe people can volunteer to work to help their school out. Um, so they go on to say, best backup where and remote access security practices. There are two effective ways to secure your backups from ransomware demands. First is use backup that's completely offline. And they say, why? Because you bad guys can't get to it, um, right? Um, this backup, another one is backing up on disk. Seems like, oh, seems old fashioned, but it's still an effective way to have a restorable backup in the event of ransomware. Uh, keep records of your backup so they can e easily find the one that's created most recently prior to an attack. Uh, another advantage of storing on disk offsite is they are available in the event of disaster, such as fire or floods. Um, Second way to secure backups is use a cloud backup service. These services are designed with disaster recovery in mind and generally offer file versioning, which means they can restore from a backup which is done before your data was hijacked by ransomware and preserve your file structure, which makes the restore process much simpler. Finish it off with remote access software. We talked about that a bit. Um, look at server-based software that are easy to control and maintain. Your IT professional professionals have the expertise to manage and deploy patches. Good luck with that again, like above. Uh, but getting students, staff, and parents up-to-date uh, so up-to-date software that's installed on their devices uh, consistently and promptly is a much greater challenge. The right software can be a lifesaver. For example, some solutions are browser-based and as a result do not require the software to deploy it on the devices themselves. Also look for software that allows you to deploy least privilege access principles, giving different users 
uh, varying levels of access, read versus write in various applications. One second. Excuse me. Allergies and sneezing in the air. Um, so that's your R, you know, RDP. R, and the reason for going more in depth on this one is just that these rules for schools apply equally to other 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 things uh, your your work your home anybody's doing remote connections uh, anyone trying to protect against ransomware that's important second the office of civil rights uh, part of the department of health and human services um, has issued its uh, uh, has been issued the second largest ever HIPAA vi violation penalty. Um, so the Department of Health and Human Services Office of Civil Rights has imposed a uh, $6.85 million penalty on Perma Blue Cross to resolve potential violations uh, of the Health Insurance Portability and Accountability Act of 1996, HIPAA. Uh, Perma Blue Cross is a not-for-profit Blue Cross uh, Blue Shield licensed health insurance company based in Mount Lake Terrace. In 2014, the company suffered a breach that impacted the healthcare uh, the public, the protected health information of 10.4 million people. The APT or Advanced Persistent Threat. Advanced Persistent Threat Group successfully used fear phishing attack to gain access to PERMA's computer system. Over the course of nine months, the group accessed uh, data including names, address, dates of birth, email, social security numbers, bank account information, health plan, clinical information of the PERMA customers. Attack uh, comprised uh, compromised PERMA in 2014 but their activities were not discovered um, until January 2015. So it went on from May 2014 to January 2015. The OCR was notified of the data breach two months later. After investigating the breach, OCR identified systemic non-compliance with the HIPAA rules by PERMA Blue Cross. Failings identified by investigators included neglecting to conduct a comprehensive and accurate risk analysis to identify all risks to the confidentiality, integrity, and availability, we call the security objectives, or the CIA triad, of electronic PHI, or EPHI, and not taking steps to reduce risks and vulnerabilities to the electronic PHI to a reasonable and appropriate level. PERMA was further found to have failed to implement sufficient hardware, software, and procedural mechanisms to record, analyze activity related to the information containing the EPHI prior to 8 March 2015. PERMA has agreed to pay the $6.85 million and implement a robust, here we go, quotes again, robust corrective action plan. That includes two years of monitoring under this agreement. The company must set up a risk analysis plan and review it at least once a year. If a, and this is the uh, Roger Severno, OCR director, says if a large health insurance uh, entities don't investigate the time or don't invest the time and effort to identify their security vulnerabilities, um, be they technical, human, or hackers. Uh, hack, <laughs> be they technical or human, hackers surely will. 
This case vividly demonstrates the damage that results when hackers are allowed to roam undetected in a computer system for nearly nine months. Yeah, yeah. So these are, here's the deal. Uh, if you're not doing the right thing, if you're not putting the money into the protections you have to, if you run an EPHI or health, you, you, if you have PHI at all, protected healthcare information, you have to secure your networks. You have to follow the HIPAA rules. And if you think you can get away with it, if you get breached, or if they do an investigation and they find out that you're not doing things right, with HIPAA, you're going to get a fine. Um, this is a big one, almost $7 million. Um, HIPAA, HIPAA fines are, there's several of them issued every year. A lot of people get away with not securing PHI, um, but it's just a matter of time. And it is, it's bad juju, man. It's people's data you're dealing with, especially healthcare data. So don't do that. So these guys are, you know, blue, I should have had Blue Cross, uh, blue, Perma Blue Cross, I should have put their logo up. But it was the Office for Civil Rights that issued this, that issued the fine as a HIPAA violation. Oh. Man. Uh, Multi-factor authentication is being uh, under the scope, right? So this is dark reading. It's our two dark reading, two two dark reading articles in the same morning. While MFA can improve overall security posture, it's not a silver bullet, um, and hacks continue. If you think any technology is going to be your silver bullet, a panacea. Um, you're, you're mistaken. We, we advance, we put things in like passwords, the bad guy learns about passwords. We put things in like multi-factor authentication, the bad guy learns how to defeat that. So the article goes on to say, as online users become increasingly aware of, uh, of the use of multi-factor authentication, attackers are devising new ways to circumvent the technology, often with great success. Earlier this month, for example, the security firm Proofpoint reported its disclosure of critical vulnerabilities in the Microsoft WS Trust that could be used to circumvent MFA, or multi-factor authentication, on cloud services that use the technology. Chief among them is Microsoft 365. An attack could allow uh, cyber criminals to use credentials obtained from phishing and credential dumps to log into Office 365, Azure, and other Microsoft services, proof point added. Um, yeah, there's new ways in. Such vulnerabilities are one way of working around the additional security provided by MFA. While security experts underscore that MFA improves the overall security of online users, exploitable vulnerabilities and poor user decisions can undermine these protections. Yes, MFA is much, much better than passwords alone. Um, MFA, and we know MFA, there's three things, and I've seen some people try to expand on these, but I, I don't see ever expanding on them. And we, we see them in this thing right here, password verification access, right? Um, something you, you have, something you are, or something you know are the three factors that I'm going to stand on. People could be adding extra things, um, but they're, they're not. Something you have, uh, a device or a token, uh, something you are is biometric, and something you know is like a password or a passcode or a PIN. Um, any combination of those, two or more, is multi-factor authentication. Um, 
in the different domains. Don't have two different passwords. Two different usernames and two different passwords is not multi-factor authentication. That's two implications of the same factor. Um, comes to cloud security, MFA is not a silver bullet, said or Safran, senior threat detection analyst from Proofpoint. As more organizations adopt technology, this technology, more vulnerabilities will be discovered and abused by attackers. However, MFA can improve overall security posture, especially when combined with people-centric threat vulnerability and adaptive access controls. What? Train your users? Oh, man. Uh, and threat visibility on them. So the, the article goes on to talk a little bit more about this. The one that, you know, you know, um, <laughs> yeah, critical vulnerabilities found by Proofpoint are the latest exploitation scenarios uh, to target the increasingly popular security technologies. Last year, the FBI warned that cyber criminals had adopted a variety of countermeasures to work around or circumvent MFA. One example cited from 2019, a code injection error in a banking institution's website allowed attackers to enter a manipulation string into the multi-factor field instead of the PIN and bypass the second factor, according to FBI advisory. Um, yeah, so you can, it's almost like a SQL injection. You can, you can enter something else into the PIN field, and instead of putting the right PIN in there, it is going to equal true and let you in. Uh, very similar to a SQL injection. Um, they give some stats. Um, Multi-factor authentication is, is doubled um, with 53% of survey respondents using MFA or two-factor authentication, sorry, for, for their accounts, which is up from 28%, almost doubled. Um, Two-thirds of younger people, 34 or younger, uh, 34 years old or younger. So if you're under 34, you're a younger person. Um, use two-factor authentication, um, while only one-third of people 65 or older use the technology. So there's a gap between 35 and 64. Um, we don't know what they, they, they do. Maybe they just don't use it at all. I don't know. Um, broad attacks by uh, scammers and fishers often sent out to gather credentials. MFA can prevent, prevent those type of attacks. But when attackers know the user has multi-factor authentication, it often proves to be not much of a barrier in some cases, even makes it easier. Um, mo most common type of MFA attack is to intercept the one-time passcode. Uh, Real-time attacks use a man in the middle to grab proxy to grab the one-time passcode. The user enters into what they believe is a legitimate site. In 2019, cybersecurity researchers release a tool dubbed uh, Miranda that allows the harvesting of the second factor. Uh, a common target is widely deployed technology for sending out one-time passwords via text, via text messages, a defense so broken that NIST or the National Institute of Standards and Technology warned against this in 2016. So yeah, if they can intercept that, that text message and get the code, then what, what good's the multi-factor? From our perspective in monitoring email, cloud, and hybrid attacks, the largest increase in threat activity has been tied to malicious third-party apps asking for OAuth tokens, which Microsoft calls content phishing, says Ryan Camber, Executive Vice President of Cybersecurity for Proofpoint. One of the best technologies at present to limit attacks 
are those based on the latest FAST Identity Online FIDO standard or FIDO 2, which uses devices to identify, uh, uses uses devices device identity to harden the authentication process against remote attackers, a variety of push technologies that alert the user on a registered device uh, that any attempted access requires them to approve that access. Um, like this one. There's a lot of crap out there, but there's also, there are also good solutions, and they are developing better solutions. Grimes from no before. But everything is hackable, and on top of that, you need to train your end user to recognize the attacks. Just because you have two or multi-factor authentication does not mean they can't be hacked. That's true. Um, if you use something like Okta, push technology, where you have to have a registered application on your device that gets a code pushed to it, that's 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 the best way to do this. A lot of people are using, you know, a and a lot of banks use this too. They'll send you a code to your your registered phone number, um, and we know that phone that can be that can be in, intercepted. That can be attacked. That can be all kinds of stuff. So um, there are obviously advantages. It increases the security level by using any type of multi-factor authentication. Um, but know that there are limits to it. Know that you have to continue to strive to be better. Um, so that's it. There are, you know, multi-factor authentication is not the silver bullet. It just isn't. Um, and you have to make sure, I think this FIDO technology, something like um, Okta and Duo, those kind of things, where you get a push to a registered app. Um, you could, I think Facebook uses Duo, I think. I think you can use Duo with, with Facebook. Another whole, you know, probably should talk about Okta and Duo and things like that. Um, they're, they're, good to, they're good to have, and they, they are implemented in a number of different technologies. Today is Confucius Day. Um, Why we do it today, it's his birthday, uh, celebrated on September 29th. Obviously, he's on the Chinese calendar, but it lines up to the 29th of September. Um, Confucius was an early Chinese philosopher. He's one of the, known as one of the greatest philosophers. Uh, it's fitting his Confucius Day was created to honor him and what he brought to mankind. He was born in China. Uh, October 18th, 551 BC. Uh, calendars have changed significantly since then. Confucius is one of the earliest uh, and perhaps the greatest, or the first great philosopher. He's also a teacher, a scholar, and a politician. He gave uh, the world many teachings and gave us 499 famous sayings. Too bad he didn't get that one more saying out. Uh, didn't break it even 500. Um, you know, all those Confucius say things. So we got a link in there uh, about Confucius from uh, ChinaHighlights.com. A little bit about Confucius and his birthday and all kinds of things. So that, that's the, uh, that's your line in the sand. That's, if you got to jump out, it's, it's about that time when a lot of you guys have to jump out. I understand if you do, but we're going to talk a little bit. If you can hang around, that would be great. Because um, we'll talk a little bit about, um, let's let's get rid of, let's not get rid of Confucius, but let's take him off the screen. So, Cloud Plus version 3. 
what you need to know. What should you know? Um, and this is not by any way, shape, or form a, a brain dump. This is not um, a pass for sure. This is not going to get you 100% ready to go in and sit and take Cloud Plus version 3 and pass it. I'm not saying that. I'm going to say, from my experience taking the exam, these are the areas you need to know. Um, at, at least these areas, and, and, and then some more. So the first one's not going to surprise you. Um, Cloud Plus, oh, well, Cloud Plus version 2. You need to know, grab the grab a book on version 2, um, take a video lesson. There's a ton of places, Safari, Books Online, um, is it Teachable? One, one of those that you can Udemy. Udemy has them out there. Not supporting or promoting any of them. They don't give me no money. So, um, But I'm saying there's a lot of places you can go out and check these things out. So learn uh, as much as you can about Cloud Plus version 2 because a lot of those questions are going to be on there. You know, Infrastructure as a service, platform as a service, software as a service, those kind of things. Um, know those kind of things, right? Um, the exam, like most other things in CompTIA now will have some scenarios and practical exercises. Um, this means you're going to have to do interactive things with network diagrams or with um, schematics or with something on the screen is going to, you're going to have to read a scenario and then you're going to have to answer questions or do, it's not even just like A, B, C, or D, it's going to be look at things, uh, configurations or settings or whatever and determine if they're right or wrong and make them correct. Um, so if you haven't done these before, that is going to throw a couple people and it may, um, not sure where you're going to get them in your in your test, um, but there are the scenario practical exercise based questions on this exam. New Security Plus is like that too. Um, I say new because I'm, I'm old school Security Plus. Um, you're going to have to know cloud migration technologies, uh, virtual migration to virtual, physical to virtual, virtual to physical. How do you move a system from where it's at today to where you want it in the future? How do you do that? How do you migrate um, things around? Cloud configurations, how do you configure the cloud and how do you configure those systems in the cloud? How do you identify the correct amount of resources to give to a system? And what are the best resourcing as far as your CPU, your RAM, your graphics card, your, your network card, your amount of storage, all that stuff. How do you configure your cloud devices? Um, backup and coop. How do you backup and coop? You have to know about warm sites, cold sites, hot sites, all those things that old school um, backup and, and, and continuity of operations procedures. You have to know about that stuff. Networking, I was surprised at the level of normal networking questions that were on the exam. So if you have Network Plus, it's gonna help you a lot. If you know networking, it's gonna help you a lot. If you don't know networking, you're probably gonna need to learn networking. Learn basics of networking. And we'll talk about some of that stuff here. So, But you have to know networking, you have to know well, we'll get to some of them like in a second here. Um, raid levels, know your basic raid levels. Know what they are, how, not necessarily how to go in and configure them, but know why you use one version of raid over another version of raid, and know 
Um, the difference is about, you know, how much fault tolerance is included in each of the RAID levels. Firewall rule sets, you got to know, and this is part of the networking, um, basics of firewall rule sets. You have to know, um, looking at firewall rule sets or knowing firewall rule sets, what does what in a rule set. Um, where do you put specific things in a, in a firewall rule set? Um, you know, how, if, if you're developing something with firewalls, how do you know it's right? I don't want to, I can't give away any, any um, of the information here too much. You have no disaster recovery, DR, um, RPO, RTO, those kind of things. Um, how can you determine how much data you can afford to lose? How, can you, how do you determine how quickly you have to do backups to meet your RPO and your RTO requirements? It's a little one down there. I had to fit it on the screen. Um, VLAN. VLAN technology. Um, no VLAN tagging, know how VLANs work, know how to, I would say, know how to set up a VLAN. Because if you can set up a VLAN, you're going to know a lot more about the tagging and how they work and, and what the benefits of them are. Um, but these are this, this is the list of stuff here that I think you need to know. Um, it's not exhaustive and it's not a brain dump by any way. Don't take it as a brain dump, but take it as these are the things that stuck out of my mind in big areas that you should know. I'm, I'm definitely trying to stay within the rule set that you, you know, you're given when you take one of these certification exams. I'm not going to give you any of the exact questions. I'm not even going to be close to the exact questions, but I'll give you the areas you need to know. Um, that V2, if you know V2, uh, it's going to cover a lot of things. I was surprised in V2 they talked about stuff like configuration management all the way through, you know, different types of clouds and cloud deployment technologies. So know that one. That's probably going to be your biggest chunk. If I had to chunk it up, biggest chunk is cloud V2, then uh, your networking, and then like DR and RAID levels, that kind of stuff. But um, I don't know. Did I pass? I don't know. Honestly, I don't know. It was not... It was not the easiest exam. Maybe it's because I haven't taken exams in a while. Um, it wasn't drop dead easy, that's for sure. It wasn't. Uh, uh, and there's, I guess, maybe because you walk into it cold. You don't know the domains. You don't know any of that stuff. You don't know really what's on it other than cloud. Um, so that's why I would start with V2. But you know, there's tons of books on it. Uh, you probably go to your library and get a book on it if you don't want to spend money. Um, if you try and do this on the cheap, yeah, you do that. Uh, if you have access to get to like an O'Reilly Books online account or something like that, ton of books on Cloud Cloud Plus version two. There's a bunch of books out there. Um, that's what I. That's that's my advice after sitting for it. Um, weird thing about um, weird. I'll get these things off the screen. Uh, which one was firewall? My firewall. Weird thing about this new way, and this is if you're taking the test at home, um, you to clear your desk off, make sure everything's clear. You have to, you know, take your watch off, take your phone off, uh, take your phone out. Uh, when you're actually taking the, the exam, those have to be more than arm's reach away from you. Um, when you log in, you're going to have to take a picture of yourself and your photo ID and send that in, and they're gonna, there's a proctor that will evaluate it. And then you have to take a picture of front-facing 
back facing and left and right, and there can't be any knock, any notes, any documentation, anything on the desk, um, and there can't be like any monitors on to your side, of course, nothing to help you cheat. Um, and then you have a little box that your, your head goes in, you get your camera on, your microphone on. The proctor will listen, no one can be in the room with you, no one can enter or leave the room, and your face has to stay in the little window um, that your camera's sending to the proctor. Totally a diff different way of doing a test, that's for sure. And uh, doing it this way was, was it was convenient because it was at home. Uh, but there's a lot of stuff going on in the house, and you're in there for uh, an hour or an hour plus to take the exam. There's a lot of stuff that happens. People try to walk in. You got to stop them without, you know, without saying too much because you don't want the proctor to get mad about you talking to someone. Um, I don't know. Have you guys taken any of these? These exams, these at-home uh, certification exams, uh, CompTIA is doing a lot of them now. I don't know how many people are, how many different areas are doing them, but they are proctored at home over the over the interwebs. Very convenient, because I know for me it's a between a, a, a forty and an hour long drive to get to my closest uh, Prometric test center down down in Richmond. Um, traffic can be bad traffic days it can be much longer than that so what do you think have you taken these proctored exams at home any of these proctored exams at home um, have you looked at the cloud plus version 3 have you looked at any of that what are your your thoughts so that being said I know we're a little little longer than we normally are today normally we've been running about an hour 55 minutes to an hour so today we're about a little bit over that so uh, join us tomorrow for the news of the day Make sure we carve out enough time to go through the RMF. Uh, we'll go through one of the one topic in the RMF in the new course to show you how it's laid out, what it's all about. Um, get your feedback. Let me know what you think. That class will start on the fifth, and you're going to have the ability to sign up for the first cohort between the fifth, between now. Actually, I'll say turn the turn it on today. Uh, between now and the ninth, we'll give you in that first cohort. Then after that, you'll kind of be, you're missing out on some stuff. I, I think, personally, you're missing out on the one-on-one -on -one actual live WebEx or live um, Zoom, depending on how many people we have. Conversations where we get online, we talk about the course, and make sure you know everything you need to know going forward. So that's my rant for the day, my talk of the day. Um, I haven't seen any either of the Bravos here. They'll tell you, go get some. I'm going to tell you. Take care of your friends, your family, your coworkers, and your organization. Take care of each other. We're building a community. That's what I would like to have out all this. A community of people that help each other. We want to have. So if you can do that, do that. And uh, I hopefully we'll see you tomorrow morning, 730. Same bat time, same bat channel. We'll be right here talking about the news of the day. And tomorrow we'll be going over the uh, RMF, the Cyber Recon RMF course, the new course, RMF version 2. 853 revision 5 all packed into one happy course so uh, see you tomorrow morning I hope